The reading for our meditation today is our Lord's Baptism, recorded in Matthew chapter 3, beginning with verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. And John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and are you coming to me? But Jesus answered and said to him, Permit it to be so now, for thus it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him. When he had been baptized, Jesus came up and immediately from the water, came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. A number of years ago, Bethany College sent me along with a couple other professors and a number of students to visit the Holy Land. While we were there, we went to the Jordan River and, and um, probably a little further north from where John was baptizing, but there's a, an, an area, it's almost like a park, where you can go and be next to the Jordan River. And what really was a little bit troubling was to see how commercialized the area was. There's a little food stand there. There's a little souvenir gift shop. You could buy little bottles of water, of the Jordan River water, and take home with you at a certain price, of course. And I remember while we were there that day, I was talking to one of the workers and uh, one of the people running the, the little stand. And suddenly a man came up with a, uh, a white gown on, and he took off his gown and, and uh, had nothing but shorts on underneath, and he went down into the water and he began saying in a different language, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, and began dunking himself into that river water and came up out of the water. And some of our students were really baffled by this. Sure enough, another man came and did the same thing a little while later. And I was talking to one of the workers, and I said, what, well, what is this all about? And he said, that man comes here every day. He comes here every day and goes down into the river and rebaptizes himself, which of course is unnecessary. Okay? The Bible teaches that there's one baptism that we have. There's certainly no examples of additional baptisms. In the Nicene Creed, we state it well, we acknowledge one baptism for the remission of sins. And yet what that man was doing in some ways is also a good symbol for us in this, that it should teach us and can teach us to look at our baptisms as something we live in every day. The text in front of us that talks about our Lord's baptism is really one that has tremendous application for each one of us for our own. One commentator said about Jesus' baptism, this is where Jesus begins to be the Savior. This is where he is now the Christ, the Anointed One. When he begins uh, to be baptized in his public ministry for, for uh to he says, to fulfill all righteousness. And so God, throughout Scripture, would have you and me, as believers in Christ, see that our baptism connects us to Christ's baptism, and he places himself in the same water that you and I have gone into for our benefit and for our good. It's interesting, in the text in front of us, we have this little exchange between Jesus and John the baptizer. John tried to prevent him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and you're coming to me. John understood the nature of baptism. It's not just something we do to show God we love him, the way some churches try to teach today. No, 
It's for the forgiveness of sins. It's connected to a powerful impartation of the taking away of our sins from heaven to us. There's no need for Jesus to have this. He's a perfect, holy human being. He's never sinned in his life and never would. So John is puzzled by why Jesus would ask him to be the one baptizing. It doesn't make any sense. And yet Jesus gives this answer, permit it now because it is fitting for us to fulfill all righteousness. Your baptism, whenever that took place, it's possible you don't even remember it, maybe you were so little, but your baptism was not just an isolated little incident or a little memento of your life, but God would have you understand your baptism as a present-day ongoing reality of the faith you are currently living in. Baptism places you kind of like in a ship of Christ that's sailing to heaven. That's the way, that's the, way the ancient church taught baptism. But baptism does kind of puzzle our reason. It's such a simple little act, just a little bit of water and a few words. On outward appearances, it doesn't seem like much. It appears like foolishness to the world. But God often uses very lowly things, of course. Many people have really no understanding of why did Christ even command us to do this. Many years ago, when I first started here at Bethany, there was a student that had come from a, a Christian background, and in my discussion with her, she was 19, she'd been raised as a Christian her whole life, but she had not yet been baptized. And I said, well, why haven't you been baptized? She said, well, our church just doesn't even talk about it. I said, really, why not? I don't know. I said, doesn't your pastor ever encourage you to get baptized? No. She said, I, she said, I guess it really doesn't mean anything to us, so we, really, I, we never see anybody get baptized at our church and so on. She said, it really doesn't matter, as long as I have faith. I said, you know, the Holy Spirit dedicated over 100 Bible passages to this subject. Why would something that he mentions so often and that Christ commands us to do why would it be considered so irrelevant and virtually meaningless by your church? She had no idea. The next year when she came back to Bethany, she was excited to tell me that she had finally gotten baptized. I said, it's about time. Our problem with baptism is not the Bible. The Bible clearly speaks and addresses what it's about. The problem is our reason doesn't fit what the Bible says. Our logic looks at it in a completely different way and kind of overrules, if you will, what the Bible says. It looks so simple, it looks so insignificant on the surface. It just takes a few seconds and it's done. But listen to how the Bible describes it. I'm just going to give you some of the phrases connected with baptism. Okay? As I go through these, just think how powerful they are. We frequently hear that it's for the remission of sins, for the removal of our sins. To sanctify and cleanse us with the washing with water by the word, Paul says. Think of that, sanctifies us, it cleanses us before God. It's called the washing of regeneration, that means to give us new spiritual life and renewing of the Holy Spirit. Paul tells the Galatians that when you get baptized, you put on Christ that's why they'd often use the white gown to show the holy righteousness of Christ is given to you now, okay? Peter said, well, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins. Don't wait to do this. Don't put this off, he says. 
He also writes, baptism now saves us. Think of that. Baptism saves us. The pledge of a good conscience before God. And Paul says to the Galatians that when we were baptized, we were ba- to the Romans, we were baptized into Christ's death. We're connected to what happened on the cross. So it's no wonder that on the great day of Pentecost, when Peter and the apostles had thousands of people gathered in front of them and they were preaching to them about Christ, It's no wonder that Peter said to the crowd, let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit for the promises to you and to your children. Tell me that on that day, people didn't drag their kids up to the water as fast as they could. What a blessing we have in baptism. Don't let our reason override the word of God. God speaks so tremendously about it and puts such power into it. And yet it's very tempting for us to kind of diminish all of that. There is what we call a sacramental nature then to baptism. God is bringing us gifts from heaven. And he has showered that down on you and me. Have some water in the font today. If you were to come up and put your hand in the font here today, there's probably some dead skin cells and some dirt and dust maybe on your hand. And if you place that into the water, that now goes into the water. And when you pull your hand out, you have the water of life on your hand, which is a very important element for us to stay alive and to be alive. Think of that as a picture of what takes place in your baptism. When you were baptized, all of the filth of my and your sins, all of the evil and the death in us was placed into the water to go to Christ. And that's why he had to be baptized, to take that from you. But he now, through that water, gives you the water of life. When you come out of your baptism, you now have been touched with the gracious water of life, forgiving your sins, giving you spiritual life before God, creating faith in your heart, and declaring you to be a child of heaven. You think we should think of this water a little differently than our brains would tell us? God the Father says from the sky, as Christ is baptized, this is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And that announcement is for you when you have been baptized into Christ through faith in him. This is my beloved daughter. This is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So may God give us hearts of faith to treasure this precious gift in our baptism and more importantly through repentance to live in our baptisms every day. Amen.